afternoon. Welcome to the window. And Dr. Joe, I see sunshine outside of our window. That's a beautiful sight here in central Ohio. It is. And you know who can only make the sunshine? Tell us. God. It has been a bleak week for some families that I know who are grieving. And in each one of those services, they called on the strength of God. And so I am, um, I am celebratory today of life. Just live every single moment of every single day. And cherish those Amen. that you care about. Amen. We started church here this I morning. I know we have. I know we have. And I'm still feeling blessed because I've known some phenomenal people since I've been here in Central Ohio. Um, and, I, and, and we've got two of them ready for the show today. We do, and we have guests today as we have for the 42 shows prior to that. And that is a cause of celebration here at The Window as we kick off not only a new calendar year, but the second season of The Window. And we have great news to celebrate. Last week, we announced that we've heard you. Those of you who have been with us through our growing pains over the last year, you've told us what you wanted. And so we're proud that we can deliver now. We told you last week that you can talk back to us. You can talk to us before the show, after show, the show, during the show on our new email. Okay, so you can reach us at thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. Thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. And... For those of you who aren't able to join us live every Saturday at noon to one Eastern time, whatever that translates to in your time zone, we told you that we were working on a new website that would house all of our shows from the past year, as well as those going forward. And we are delighted to launch that today. So keep your, your pad and your pen and your, and your laptop and your iPad handy and write this down as well. Our new website is the window now thewindownow.com. So you can go there. You can catch all of our shows. You can also subscribe to whatever your favorite podcast channel is to hear us there. So we'll talk more about that. But again, you can talk to us at our email address, thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. And you can catch the recordings of all of our shows that you weren't able to listen to live. Or maybe you want to tell a friend who couldn't listen. Gee, you need to go to this date or this category, whether it's business or economics or medicine, and hear what The Window and their guests had to say. And you can do that at our new website, thewindownow.com. And it has been a journey to get to this point. Um, Not only a journey from us coming here every Saturday and meeting during the week, but it's been a journey just watching the world turn um, and and making the necessary adjustments to keep our information current and relevant and be able to, to secure experts to help us understand what's going on through our window. And we've got two here today. We are so fortunate. We've got two of the icons in Central Ohio media history. And um, I can't call them anything but royalty. They are media royalty here. And I think the world of both of them. And I am gonna first introduce Ray Miller, former Senator Ray Miller, 
African-American editor, Ray Miller, uh, the African-American studio. Um, he is a founder of the Change in Leadership Organization. Um, he was with the Ohio General Assembly for 16 years in the House of Representatives and eight as a senator. He's a legislator. He's a community advocate and leader. He's a father. He's a husband. He's members of numerous organizations, including Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity and Second Baptist Church and a OSU grad. So welcome Mr. Miller. I am here. Can you hear me? I can now. How are you? I'm I'm doing well for an old guy. Hey, listen, the alternative is worse. (laughs) I know you're right about it. You know, we were just talking about funerals. We're sitting in chairs here today, so that's a good thing. But welcome. Thank you for joining us. And now I've got another royalty member from media. And this is Sister Angela Pace. Um, Angela Pace, when I close my eyes and I think of television news, I think of Angela Pace. Because she is the queen of all of the media as far as I'm concerned. She's born and bred here in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus Schools, Capital University. Um, she knows the media business from a television angle more than better than anyone that I know of. She's received just about every honor for being a community advocate. And, um, we are just delighted that you're here with us, Sister Angela. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm an incredible company to be here with uh, Senator Ray Miller, who I've known for about 112 years. But Ray, I don't know about I don't know about you, Ray. But whenever anybody uses the words expert and royalty, I start to get nervous. The expectations are high. <laughs> I am with you. Yes. With you on that. But people trust you. You know that we trust well, you in the media. It's a wonderful thing, especially in this environment today. Trust is a coveted attribute to have, and both of you have that. And that's why we're glad that you're here today on the window. Can I say a word about that? Can I say a word about that now? Yes. Um, I I think you're right on target in raising that word trust. Uh, I talk to a lot of uh, political people and would-be political people in particular who come by the office and they tell me that they're going to run for this. And the question is, do the people know you and do they trust you? Mm-hmm. And if they've not had any inter- interaction with you at all, then they just, yeah, they say, okay, here's another person who's running, uh, who hopes to be on somebody's podium, uh, have a microphone in their hand. They don't have that feeling that this individual will go to the, to, to the table and speak on their behalf and have an agenda on their behalf uh, to ensure that we progress from where we are to where we need to be. I couldn't agree with you more. And trust is something that we rely on with the two of you because there's a lot going on right now that is not trustworthy. And people saying that a lie is the truth and with a straight Mm. face. But Mm. I digress. Um, We're going to try to... um, stay on point today although we have thousands of things we would like to talk to you about we're going to talk about martin luther king 
-hmm. and his legacy and where he went and where he ended up and where we are in comparison to his legacy. So I am going to um, hand the mic over to my dear sister, Sister Joe, to get this party started. How are you, Angela? How are you, Ray? Welcome from me as uh, well to the window. It's so good to hear your voice. How are you? Don't you dare call me by my nickname on the air, I'm Angela. not. You, okay. you know, you know how hard that is for me. <laughs> to all of our listeners. I'm gonna call you. <laughs> to all of our listeners, please, when you see that little baby in the crib and you name them Boo Boo or Poo Poo or Stinky Bottom or whatever, okay, don't don't then let them be on the air decades later with someone who knows that. And I've known both of these human beings for a long time. So so speaking of trust, we're just going to trust each other, not to not to tell stories of our past, and we are going okay. to just cut right to the chase scene about that dream that Dr. King had and some of our listeners weren't even old enough to remember him talking about that live but certainly they've heard about it what what is the state of the union in the United States today from each of your perspectives I'll start with with you brother Ray since you have both the media background and the political background and and Angela I'm sure you will jump in as well I know that we don't have a lot of, of time, so I'm going to dispense with uh, some side issues. Uh, I, I would say that we are in serious trouble, um, that our democracy uh, is at stake. Uh, and, and every time I say something like our democracy, trust me, I understand how many years we were excluded from uh, that, that democracy. So we have a great appreciation for it. We as African-Americans have a great appreciation uh, for for democracy. Yet we see people um, that we know well in terms of, and you shouldn't overgeneralize, but people that we know and their behavior, uh, what states they come from, right? The kind of denial of opportunity that, that they have ensured took place for African-Americans. And so um, we are in trouble. <laughs> Uh, even with the progress, I mean, you should start off with the nice things. How many people uh, have been vaccinated? You know, how many people uh, have jobs now today that didn't have them last year? Uh, the number of people with health insurance. Those, those things we should know if we're paying attention to the, the, the news that <laughs> that's not lying to you every five or ten minutes. Uh, we should know those things. But the bottom line is, if, if for those people who say, um, you know, everything is going fine, it's, it's so much better than what you actually think it is, uh, they just want you to feel good. We have challenges. When you look at that insurrection at the Capitol, that is the thing, at the U.S. Capitol, that is the thing that you should hold up in your, your lens, put your lens up on that one. Uh, if they're willing to attack the Capitol of the United States, have a, a, an armed insurrection, they're willing to do anything. I know we had some questions around civil war and all of that, but that's my intro on it. And uh, be happy to expound on it in any way that you want. We'll come back to COVID in, in just a moment, because obviously that is still an issue two years after yep. we realized there was such a thing as COVID. But let's talk about politics and the insurrection. And we've talked about our local guests, but please know that their perspective is nationally to all of our listeners around the country. The week that we are recording this live, we just had an issue with voting rights. 
And so if you could just quickly break down for us what that means, especially terms, we always want to be sure that our listeners not only hear about the issues, but understand that there's a term that's been going around called filibuster. And that mm-hmm. has something to do with the fact that decades later, we just had a Voting Rights Act that wasn't passed. Help us understand that, please. Right, right. And it's, in terms of a filibuster, um, you start in the, let's just look at the Senate, uh, the U.S. Senate. Uh, has 100 members, right? And then you have uh, the VP that presides uh, over the Senate. Uh, and in terms of the filibuster, uh, it's it's been used, uh, as so many things have been used, to stop progress on uh, the part of African Americans. So they filibusted the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act and all of those kinds of things uh, in the uh, 60s right late 50s early 60s um we uh had a situation here last week about last week uh in a vote and the people who were taking sides against uh humanity almost uh and and voting opportunities and progress being made uh in the political arena uh those those folks were crystal clear that they were going to filibuster uh and, and, and numerically, simply what that means is having 50 votes, right? Uh, 51 if you get the the, the, uh, the VP voting on your behalf. Um, so that's that's essentially it. It's a strategy to delay. It's a delaying tactic that is used uh, to keep your uh, opposition from moving forward and, and staying locked in the past. It kind of breaks down, you know, today to southern states. Uh, and naturally, the Republicans uh, and uh, and 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 northern states. Right. We'll go back to the Civil War. I, I'd, I'd like to talk about that. Uh, but that's where the filibuster piece comes out of it is using your position to delay progress and making sure that you have your votes. Right. There's so many people who talk about things don't have the votes. And so making sure that you have that 50 votes that's necessary. And it's typically have been used against African-Americans and our progress in this country. So let's connect the dots. You know, Ray, when I think about the filibuster, I think about some of those old uh, movies. Uh, Jimmy Stewart and Mr. Smith goes to Washington where he stands and filibusters for what, like a day and a half, and he's not allowed to walk away from the podium. And so I've got those kinds of images in my head when I think about filibuster and the fact that we are still talking about that being a tactic. And as you said, being a tactic that hurts us, we're still talking about in 2022. That that sickens my stomach. So connecting the dots between what you all have said, we started out talking about serious threats to our democracy, one of them being that in the last presidential election, despite what our lying eyes saw as it relates to the vote count, as it relates to the courts saying, no, there was not fraud, that there were folks who stormed the Capitol saying, gee, the election of a new president, which is the hallmark of a democracy, should not have happened. And as a result of that, there are states that Ray pointed out are mostly Southern Republican states who said, well, gee, let's just start changing the laws so that if we can't win an election fair and square, perhaps there's some other tactics that we can employ. Is that a correct summary of what's going on now? 
It, it yeah, I think you're absolutely yep, right. And I have to go back to what, um, you know, the first question that you asked, Dr. Joe, about the State of the Union. And I had written down three words, confused but hopeful, hopeful mm -hmm. but confused. And I think that we're still reeling from the effects of the last administration and all the hatred and the divisiveness that came out of that administration and is ongoing. But I was thinking, hey, there's still hope. We're going to come out of this not unscathed, but at least scabs will be healing over, right? And then January 6th happened. I was in a Zoom meeting with some community leaders um, and sitting in my living room and had CNN on and a couple of other members, people on that call, also had news on. And we all stopped at the same time and said, what in the world is... We didn't... I thought it was a movie set at first. That scared me half to death to see the lengths that some people, huge factions of people, will go through to make sure that their wrong is right. It made me think of 9-11. Um, I was never necessarily a history buff in school. I got through it, and and but I didn't realize when I was a, a student how important history, especially our history here as black people in the United States, was and would be. But the fear that I had when I heard about 9-11, when I went and grabbed my kids and, ran, and went home and left work and I had that same fear on January 6th last year because mm -hmm. it it took me back to the the French American War and all those things I had read about in the in the history books not paid attention to but just read about them they all came back to life the civil war they're even talking about the civil war today that that's a possibility and so I guess the message I want to leave on the table for anybody is if you studied history, it does repeat itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let, me, let me just uh, pick up on something that is, seems to be tangentially related, but it's not. Um, and, and that is critical race theory. You mentioned education and, and making sure that our children understand the issues and all of that, right? So on this critical race theory, that's strategic. What, what, what the opposition, if you will, uh, are saying is what you have been teaching, which is the truth, the things that you have been teaching in public schools and in our schools, in our colleges and universities, particularly state-supported colleges, they're looking strategically, how do we kill them? How, how do we stop them from knowing? How do we make sure that they're not educated on the issues? And when it comes to critical, this, this is not about theory. We know that this critical race issue is reality, right? It's racism in the United States of America. It's the racism of lynching and voter intimidation and employment discrimination and segregation and Tuskegee uh, syphilis experiments and redlining and all of those issues and policies and strategies and political um, um, campaigns that they have run against us over the years. Uh, is the real issue with regard to critical race theory. They don't want you to know the facts because if you know the facts, you have a responsibility to act upon them. We're going to go to a break with you media people understand. When we come back, Angela, you said the word hope. And I'd like to pick up on that when we come back on the window.
We're back on the window with media icon Angela Pace and former Ohio State Senator Ray Miller talking about the dream, Martin Luther King's dream, as we end the week celebrating his birthday and just where we are now as a country. I think everyone listening knows that we are in some dire situations. And so we ended before the break with the word hope. Where is the hope in all this? I love using the word hope because without hope, you know, we might as well just crawl into the bed, pull the covers up over our head, and not even try anymore. So I like to think, as I said earlier, that the State of the Union is, is confused but hopeful. But it's interesting. It's almost like, <laughs> well, line dancers, well, it's like a line dance almost. You know, two steps forward, one step back, or vice versa. <laughs> slide, slide to the left, yeah, slide to the right, right, cha cha two times, you know. Trip that's what I somebody. think. It's, that's almost, yeah, that's almost what I feel like we're doing. Just when I think that I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, either somebody closes the tunnel or puts me in another tunnel. That tunnel somehow just shuts down. And I think that with the murder of George Floyd, one of the encouraging, hopeful things that I saw was not just our people fighting and marching, was all people fighting and marching. That gave me hope to see white people, green people, plaid people, everybody on the streets upset about what had happened in uh, Minneapolis. And to me, that gave me hope. And then out of those protests came actual real action. Lots of DEI, people who didn't even know what DEI was before. Everybody now is into DEI training, promotions of people of color, hiring of people of color. On TV, you saw all kinds of movies about Harriet Tubman and the Tuskegee Airmen, and it wasn't even Black History Month. <laughs> it was, and, and people, people were into these not just these historical stories, but our stories, our personal stories. I can't tell you how many of my white friends reached out to me and said, is this how you've been feeling all your life? Mm. I didn't know. I really didn't know. So that was the hope that I have been trying to feel for the last couple of years. And then again, Ray brought up the insurrection, and that, that rocked me. That really, really rocked me, not just that it happened, but that it was being encouraged by the man on Pennsylvania Avenue. I don't care what anybody says, he was encouraging it. And that so many folks got away with it. I was scared to leave my house after that. I really was. The same street where I see Black Lives Matter signs, and I know I'm the only black life on this street, and I have seen Black Lives Matter signs and felt proud to live in this neighborhood. I was scared to walk down that same street, and I didn't know whether to buy a dog or a gun or a plane ticket to Canada. That's just how, that's how much of a setback I think January 6th was, at least for me. So looking ahead then in terms of trying to hang on to this hope, I was going to ask, and I still will in just a few minutes, 
if the two of you were advisors to the Biden administration, President Joe Biden and our <laughs> and our first African American female mm-hmm. vice president Kamala Harris mm-hmm. is going to ask you what you'd advise them. But before we do that, let's keep it at the grassroots level where you were, Angela, in terms of talking about people reaching out to each other. What would you say to our listeners about what they can do to try to bring some hope into this bleak situation that you all have painted for us in terms of where we stand with Martin Luther King's dream right now? I'm telling you, we've got to maintain the momentum. We've got to maintain the momentum. And while we have the floor, while we have the attention, while we have seats at the table, we've got to continue to use that, use it wisely to get what we've been denied for centuries. We've got to make sure that we keep feet to the fire and don't let this momentum wane at all. We've seen it before. We've seen it after some kind of uprising, after um, Rodney King, after anything major happens, then all of a sudden it's, hey, we're going to make this better for you. And that lasts for a little while till we get comfortable. And then, boom, we're almost right back to where we were. Again, it's like the cha-cha slide. So I would say make sure that we maintain the momentum. But, Dr. Joe, I will say that the one thing, my top priority right now or my top concern is our babies Mm. and our babies killing Uh, each other and killing other people. That is every night. Now, I've been a journalist, and even though I'm not on the air anymore, I still consider myself an old news hound. Every Every time I hear that story, and it's the same story, every time I hear these stories, my heart breaks, not just for the people involved, but for all of us, because that is a huge, huge problem right now. That almost destroys the hope, is when you see our babies killing each other and being killed, and thinking that violence, and gun violence in particular, is somehow the answer, the the fix-it-all pill that's going to make everything better. How do we make it stop? Oh, jeez. I, think I wish I had an answer stop. for we, you. We, we, make it, we make it stop by, by being straightforward and honest uh, at all times. And you know, when you sound like you're not putting the whole issue on the table, then people start um, depreciating uh, with, with the confidence that they have uh, in you. And what I mean, what I mean by that is exactly what Angela was saying. I mean, I've I've been Angela's student for about fifty years mm-hmm. in Columbus, Ohio. Right? <laughs> so when she speaks, I just Y'all say, "Okay, me too." I, I say, "Me too," right? Mm-hmm. But 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 in, in terms of the hope, uh, I, I agree with the last thing in particular that Angela said, and 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 that is, we've got to call it out when it's us as well okay mm-hmm. when when we are the problem uh, our community and people within our community you have got to call it out and not be afraid and so we we have too many folks being murdered every night and i know what that feels like i had a brother got hooked on crack cocaine murdered right right behind my house 169 north 18th street uh in between my house and my church second baptist church and so I, I, I know these issues real well, and the alcoholism and the drug addiction and all of that. I know those, I know those issues, but we got to call out and do whatever is necessary with respect to public policy to change things 
so that folks can't just run out and get a gun whenever they want to uh, and then murder someone even within their families oftentimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we've got to address those issues. And the other thing, now here's where I'm going to sound, sound my age right now. Uh, we, we have too much nastiness um, on the part of uh, our families uh, and our, our young women uh, you know, you, you got to be careful how you carry yourself. You know, that's not dancing when you're crawling all around on the floor, screwing the floor. That's not, so. So I know I sound like an old guy uh, on, on that, but when the issues uh, before us are being brought to our community by those oftentimes who we're trying to to, to protect, it's not making a lot of sense. And so uh, the hope piece goes to that. And then we, as the elders, have to make sure that we are you know, providing role models for the younger people within our community and telling them. Last thing on that, really, really quickly. Um, I've, I've been on both sides of it, you know, so we'll, we'll get to the, the, the presidential stuff and all of that you know, in a few minutes, hopefully. Um, but I have, I have seen... Uh, C. Dolores Tucker out of Pennsylvania, as an example, saying this, this rap stuff is just is not good for us. Now, that was like 15, 20 years ago. There's a, there's a lot of um, positive things that might come out of a, of a, a well-written rap. <laughs> uh, but too often, they're not making any sense. It just happens to rhyme at the end of a measure. And it doesn't make a lot of sense at all. So what, what we've got to do uh, is to make sure that our young people have positive role models and we teach them what is right and what is wrong because I'm not sure they know as they're jerking all around over the, and, and, and the language that's used in their quote unquote music. And I really mean quote unquote music because it ain't music. Here's, here's a point. <laughs> Speaking of, of dream, I had a dream this week that Barack was back in the White House. Is there a role for him now? Um, oh, I, oh, if there were some way, <laughs> if there were some way that we could create a special political, or it doesn't even have to be political, it can be a political position for Barack Obama, because speaking of role models, Ray, that, that to me is yeah. one of the ultimate role models. And I think that what uh, President Obama did while he was in the White House, one thing that will always stand out in my mind was the creation of My Brother's Keeper. And we talk about role models, and we talk about how we as elders, because that's what we are now, how we as elders can somehow be role models. But we got to be honest about it. Young people aren't really looking up to us. <laughs> They're looking up to that generation behind us, people who are closer to their own age. And I think about a Barack Obama who looked at young black men in this country and said, y'all need some help. Y'all need some help, and we're going to be there to help you. I look at people like Fran Frazier and the work that she is doing with our young sisters. Rise, Sister Rise, or I think it has another name now, and I apologize for going back, you know, a couple of branding, <laughs> branding uh, issues ago. But 
I think that there are people like a Fran Frazier, like the people who work with my brother's keeper, Julia Carter, over in the city of Columbus, Chris Sewell before her. They are trying to make sure that these young people do understand that perception is reality lots of times. So Ray talks about how people dance. Um, I don't get it. I can't move like that. I don't think I want to move like that. And I think that that perception, young people don't understand that that perception is damning. That perception does hurt. So when I think about role models and what a Barack Obama could do, we could all take a page out of his book and somehow find a way to help young folks understand there's a right way and there's a wrong way and there's a way that's going to get you to where you need to go. So I'm having real flashbacks as you all are talking to the first season of The Window. And in our 40 shows last year, we had guests talking at length about each one of these issues. So let me refresh my memory and yours about some of the things they said and get your thoughts on that. So first, much of what we're saying involves public policy changes. And in a democracy, the way that we change public policy is first and foremost to vote, first and foremost to vote. Mm -hmm. And so how do we, regardless of what the law says and the Voting Rights Act and the restrictions that are being imposed on us, how do we get people to vote, especially disenfranchised people? And then once we get a president in office, how do we get them to understand that you don't leave the president hanging and not vote for the other offices that that person needs to support them? What do we do about voter mobilization? Can I jump in really quickly? Because I want to hear what Ray has to say about this. But really quickly, you talk about public policy. I heard on the news this week, and I swear I hope I was dreaming or misheard, but I believe it's the state of Florida where they were trying to pass the law. And I don't know if it was the whole state or if it was a county or municipality, but they're trying to pass a law against making people feel uncomfortable about issues of race. Not us, but the majority. They're trying to pass some kind of policy that would make it illegal for me to talk to a white audience about history or anything that would make them feel uncomfortable it. or responsible for my it. pain. It's so, so I didn't I didn't make that up. Nope. I didn't make that up. That's critical okay. race theory at its so, highest level. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was addressing early on. So it's that law will likely theory. pass unless people vote it down. Yeah. Um, on on the, the question around, you know, is there a role for President uh, Obama? Um, I'm going to kind of skip that a little bit because uh, I don't think we need to be dealing in hypotheticals. We've got to be real careful about that. Time is always short. Uh, Biden's, Biden, in my opinion, has done an exceptional job, and it can be documented statistically. Um, but but I, I, would, I would, rather than say President Obama in a role, we need to be very clear about the role of our vice president, Kamala Harris. Now, she is there. That's, that's not hypothetical. She does have uh, major influence because she's a VP of the United States of America, right? Uh, I, I served on the White House staff of President Carter. 
I, I talked to the vice president every day that I had a few minutes. He had a lot of time because he wasn't getting any responsibility in any major way coming from the president of the United States with a nice smile and a warm heart, uh, uh, Jimmy Carter, right? And, and, and so we've got to make sure that we have a clear agenda for Kamala Harris and to help her help us, uh, whether it's voting rights, or whether it's you know major educational issues, healthcare issues, and so forth, she needs a real agenda and not be pushed to the side like most vice presidents are. She's a different vice president because she's female, which we've never had. She's African American female. We never and we've never had a male vice president uh, of the United States either. We've had the president, not the vice president, and so a real strategy. Uh, and a plan of action for her and 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 to let folks know that it's our agenda and we're backing this up you know she can go and say a lot of things but she's got to know that she's got the support coming from those of us in leadership positions uh to move a real agenda okay so Um, so ray ray how much support is she getting from the White House, because you hear these rumors about there not being a whole lot of, of um, kinship there, that Vice, she's been given challenges that aren't immediately solvable, the whole immigration issue, uh, voting mm-hmm. rights, and that maybe there isn't the kind of support from the White House that she should be getting. I mean, I think we could all throw our support behind her if we thought that she was also being supported on Pennsylvania Avenue. We're going to take another quick break. We're talking about solutions now as we reflect on Martin Luther King's dream, what's happening now, and how we move forward. We've just talked about voting and mobilizing at a political level. We'll talk more about this when we come back on The Window. We're back, and i got to put this word out here because I think we're talking about an institution that used to be the center of our lives, and now it's on the sideline, and that's the black church. Mm-hmm. What are we going to say about that, folks? I mean, when we all grew up Sunday morning, everybody got up, put their clothes on, went to Sunday school, church, uh, Bible study, parents were involved. Um, It was the center of our community. And unfortunately, now, partially due to technology, I think, um, there's a lot of empty pews in the churches right now. COVID had something to do with it, but um, it's it's a sidebar when it used to be the main event. So what are your thoughts about that? And I'm, I'm going to answer that directly. And now, because uh, I'm, I'm so tempted to go back to uh, putting an agenda uh, together for Kamala Harris. Uh, but, but I'm going to answer your question that, that you have on the table right, right now uh, with respect to the church. Um, we had, at, at most of our major churches, we had something to deal with employment. We had like an employment-related committee. We had uh, education taking place. We had tutoring taking place within the, in, in the churches. Uh, we had health care programs 
within the churches, and we have testing taking place right now. If your if your church is open for uh, you know individuals that you know to actually come in and worship, um, uh, we had transportation for the seniors, and all. you can go into a lot of churches today at major churches, and you won't find that. It, it, you won't you won't find the services for employment as badly as people need workers right now. I mean, they're paying good wages. They're providing all kinds of benefits. I'm talking about employers and major employers, right? Who who are, you know, they're doing everything that they can. Why not go to our church? Why can't our church have a program that deals with employment and placing people in these various opportunities that exist all over the city and the state? So employment, education-related, health, housing, transportation-related programs, civil rights, we were doing all of those things, and we can't let a pandemic uh, be, the, be the excuse for not doing them today. So in listening today, and again in thinking back on all the experts we've had talking about these topics, in my mind, the answer to moving forward with Martin Luther King's dream is to wake up is to first yeah. take back the institutions that have been so important, especially to us as African-Americans, our families. I'm sorry, for mm-hmm. these babies out here killing each other, each one of them mm-hmm. has a common denominator. There were two people who brought them into this world, and those were called parents. And it, I, I don't care how poor a parent is in terms of income. I don't care how young a parent is in terms of their age when they gave birth to that child that responsibility for that life belongs to those parents and thank god in addition to the parents we had our villages people who reached That's out right. so That's we right. need our villages back we need our faith-based institutions back realizing that young people don't always walk into buildings anymore as much as they're out in the media social media in particular and then let's let's talk about COVID for a moment because to me the biggest sign in terms of our lack of unity is the fact that we have African-American healthcare practitioners who people fought and died to put through medical school, for example, who have been on this show trying to keep people informed of the latest and greatest on COVID. And yet, let me just stop there. I'm sorry, and turn this back over to our guests and say, talk to us about COVID, please. Well, you said so much. I know one individual. Um, Yeah, you did. I I know one individual. uh, Well, I I know a relative of his who um, just refuses to get vaccinated. And I have stopped listening to the reasons why, because none of them make any sense. And yet we're dying. We're dying, folks. You know, I know people who have died from COVID-related illnesses, just put it that way. And I don't understand, even in my own family, I had a family member who's very, very religious and um, is the reason that I'm going to go to heaven. I know she and her husband are going to pray me into heaven, but they were using (laughs) that kind of as an excuse or reason as to why they weren't going to get vaccinated because God was going to take care of them. And I tried to explain to them that God has created doctors and nurses and other healthcare officials um, and, and scientists who created the vaccine. And can't you understand that's how he's helping? 
they finally did get vaccinated, thank God. But just that kind of the, the reasoning, and I'm not taking anything away from faith, please. I have come this far by faith. My faith, my grandmother's faith, a lot of people praying for me. But I think that somehow we've got to get beyond that and understand that when it comes to COVID, COVID ain't no joke. COVID ain't playing. COVID keeps reinventing itself. How many different kinds of COVID do we have out there now? You know, are we going to go through the entire Greek alphabet of COVID? So I think we, we need to we need to reach out to people, even on a one-to-one grassroots basis, and make them understand that not only are they hurting themselves, but they're hurting the people around them. They're hurting the people they love and who love them. And all that sounds so Pollyanna-ish, and I apologize for that. But. Well, maybe, maybe I can kind of hit this in two ways. Um, you, we, we talked about accomplishments, in, in a sense, uh, indirectly for, for Biden. 210 million people um, now vaccinated, and so much of that occurred under um, President Biden. And the resources that are being provided, the attention that's being paid to it, the direct responses that I see him giving and others. Um, There's so many people who are doing all all of our federally qualified health centers. Um, My wife, Marty, is is uh, doing uh, a lot of work with a number of people. I don't know all of the folks that she's working with. She does consulting and, and, and Marty's phenomenal i mean we she just sure celebrated is. our 50th yes, wedding anniversary by the way i don't know oh, Aunt, congratulations. we just that's right 50 and if you can put up with me for 50 years lord jesus <laughs> lord that's what i was gonna that's sainthood right there that's sainthood <laughs> but 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 ray you're bringing up something that i think we've got to plug in right now it's been a concern mm-hmm. of mine because we are all baby boomers mm-hmm. and it seems like the generations be that came after us don't have the or were not given the um, priorities for a long productive life that we were given of, of do unto others as you would have them do unto you and um, uh, spread your joy with other people and and be concerned about your family and your friends and your circle and your neighborhood these values that we grew up on seem to be hiding in the shadows what can we as a generation do the generation our generation had them but i don't think that they were passed down past our generation you know, I keep thinking about how the unification that we felt, and we all are about the same age, I think that there was just a sense of unity that we felt as black kids growing up in Columbus, whether you went to East or South or Central or Eastmore, wherever you went, there was still that sense of, of unity that I think came out of the revolution. Um, I think that the importance of education that our parents stressed, that was part of what helped us get over. And one of the things that I'll always remember is especially after, during the revolution and after the revolution, you could walk down the street, any street in Columbus, and if you saw a brother or sister, you didn't even have to know them. You always acknowledged them. You, you spoke. Always, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. You spoke, and then you kept on going. 
I still do that, um, and it I get my face cracked sometimes because, especially with young people, they look at me like I'm about to ask them for money. And I think that when you talk about not passing down whatever that was that we grew up with, that sense of unity and community, that's tragic. I think we need to get that back. And it may have to come, again, I keep thinking person-to-person, one-on-one, grassroots, because you can't really reach it and expect it to fall on all open ears. But I think that if you stress the importance of, I mean, seriously, Ray and I have known each other for, I don't even, I don't remember not knowing Ray Miller, okay? That's how far back And Joanna, you know, I know, I've known your family forever and ever That's and ever. Right. I, and I, I don't, somehow we've missed that. Somehow we... That's not being instilled in our young people, and I think it's up to us and the folks who've come after us to make sure that there is that unification and that sense of of unity, because that's how we're going to help each other through. And you know what? You're bringing up a point. I'm not from Columbus, but I feel like I've been here all my life. And Mm -hmm. when I came to Columbus in the late 70s, there were black women that reached out to me when they saw me at Lazarus or wherever church they embraced me when I came yeah. here. And I, yeah. I think to some degree we've lost that, that sense of family. I don't know you, but I want to know you and I want to be mm-hmm. there for you. Um, and so I, I, I think it's a generational problem that we're having. So unfortunately our time is about to wrap up in the next five minutes or so. And our guests have so much knowledge and so much information as do people who are similar to them across the country. So in terms of Martin Luther King's dream X number of decades later, our audience members, what can our audience members do? Just we've, we've talked about it in broad terms, but real simple step by step. What would you, Angela, and you, Ray, suggest that our audience members do as individuals to continue to move us forward and hopefully at a much faster pace because I believe time is winding up but that's just me what can yeah. they do I've got four words go ahead Angela oh I'm sorry Ray um, I'm just going to mm-hmm. say I've got four words we ain't done yet we yeah. can't get comfortable I think that each and every one of us and your audience members needs to find a way find a vehicle if there is an organization that is getting people out to vote or encouraging people to go vote sign up for that if there is an organization that's trying to encourage folks to go get vaccinated sign up for that if there is an organization that needs mentors for our young men and women sign up for that you can do so much as an individual don't think that you have to have a big checkbook you can do so much one-to-one and have an impact that you will never ever ever expect or believe can happen just doing it one to one very very good very good advice um i I would just use the one word modeling uh i I think we could do do an awful lot more in mod modeling positive uh behavior uh and i referenced the church uh, my pastor's going to say, "Boy, you had a lot of things to say about the church. Uh, maybe you should be doing more at our church, right?" 
but but that's that's the place where we can touch so many people the right way. Uh, and there and there are too many too many individuals who do not know that. Uh, I, I've heard it in conversation. I heard it yesterday in a conversation, a very important conversation where people don't know really what the black church is and can be, uh, and 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 how we have always progressed by our engagement within our our churches all over our our, our communities. The um, uh, the MLK piece, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King, boy, we don't have enough time for that. You know, he, he, his father was a pastor, his grandfather was a pastor, his father-in-law was a I mean, they were, everybody was a pastor, and here's this brilliant young man with this incredible ability to communicate uh, and speak so effectively, right? And so he had a lot of advantages, but he wasn't the only one. There were so many dynamic, brilliant committed young people working with Dr. Martin Luther King, and then he was buttressed by having, you know, the older guys. Um, and, you know, whether you got the young Jesse Jackson at that time doing all of the right things, uh, or John Lewis, even more so than a, a young Jesse, uh, and Reverend Calvin Butts out of New York, I mean, those guys were awesome. So it wasn't just Dr. Martin Luther King. What I'm saying is, those who are in leadership positions have to reach out and bring in and not do it the Columbus way, right? This stuff, this bull about the Columbus way and having everybody on the same page and walking together and all of that kind of nonsense. We've got to do what is right to advance our community. And we do that unapologetically, and then we get real results. We are so sorry that we're going to need to wrap up this discussion today. We're going to do it with some unapologetic plugs, though. First, we're going to unapologetically <laughs> plug the Windows new website, thewindownow.com. You can talk to us at thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. An unapologetic plug for former Ohio Senator Ray Miller, who's now publisher of the African American News Journal. Please look for that. Go to the website. An unapologetic plug for Angela Pace, Director of Community Affairs for WBNS 10 TV. But we're going to allow Angela to end with an unapologetic plug for her favorite football team. Go, Angela. The Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. <laughs> As we speak, and maybe by the time people listen to this, the Cincinnati Bengals will have won the Super Bowl. But for right now. Oh. Let's hope so. <laughs> thank you so much to Ray and Angela. We don't thank often enough our in-studio person, our technician, Pastor Wayne Dandridge. Dr. I, I'll turn it over to you to close I was just going to say to Ray and to Angela, anytime you want to have a forum about what's going on with the black community here in Central Ohio, nationally, internationally, we've got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about in our generation from our perspective, and we value having you nearby. Keep the dream Thank alive, you. audience. That means a lot. Thank you. See you later you. on the window. Be good to yourselves.
Angelin Ray. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hello?